The reading is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and is on page 882 of your Pew Bible. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they, we, they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple went, set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I have seen the Lord, she says. She's not just telling the disciples she'd been out on an errand and happened to run into an old friend. Mary Magdalene has just encountered God and knows it. Can you imagine? Everyone in her world, in her Jewish community, was brought up on the same stories from Scripture, what we'd call the Old Testament, stories about a, a God who created everything from nothing, a God who spoke light into darkness. This God had a brand, for sure, and those shared stories provided variations on a very distinctive theme, the barrenness, 
lifelessness, nothingness, hopelessness. Over and over and over, those become the kinds of circumstances and situations when God gets to work. God promises Abraham that he'll have descendants more numerous than the stars. Well, there's a problem. His wife, Sarah, can't have children, and they're not young, and they're not getting younger. God's people are promised a land of their own so that they may become a blessing to all people. But there's a problem. They get stuck in Egypt. They get enslaved by the most powerful empire in the world. Lost in the wilderness for 40 years. What are they going to eat? Centuries later, tiny nation as they remain as compared to their superpower neighbors, how are they going to survive? Story after story after story was told to Mary Magdalene and every other person of her community that the one true God saw barrenness, saw lifelessness, saw nothingness, saw hopelessness, and met all that kind of stuff with power and with persistence. Time and time and time again. Power and persistence are God's brand, but it's a brand rooted in really old stories. I mean, let's be honest, for Mary Magdalene, and let's say her spiritual imagination was robust even. Let's say she genuinely did believe in God and that, and that her faith did shape her life. Even if that's the case, all these stories she knew, they were still just stories until she sees Jesus. Now, we can't know when Mary Magdalene first sees Jesus or how often she was among the disciples and the crowds that followed Jesus around, but the Gospel of John recounts Jesus coming up against scarcity, brokenness, illness, blindness, even death, and Jesus meets these kinds of moments with power and persistence. The wine is running out at a wedding, Jesus transforms that moment of scarcity into abundance as from water. He just creates wine, and not a little bit of wine, 150 gallons of it. A royal official's son is dying, and so he begs Jesus to do something. And to understand the weirdness of this situation, this is a guy who is serving the occupying Roman Empire, and now he's begging help from one of the occupied. I mean, talk about an us and them moment, right? And yet what happens? Jesus overcomes their divisions with God's kind of connection. When Jesus encounters a, a broken and ill man who's been left outside the community for what would have been a lifetime in that era, 38 years, Jesus says, stand up, take your mat and walk. And Jesus says this to him on a Sabbath day. Jesus has the power to restore this man to a community, and he's got the persistence to do it on a Sabbath day in front of the people who make the rules that say he's not supposed to do that on a Sabbath. Jesus confronts the hunger of more than 5,000 people in the middle of nowhere and feeds them so much that there are leftovers. It's a story that echoes that Exodus story when God provided manna in the wilderness day after day after day. 
Or how about when the disciples are terrified as they're getting rocked in a little boat amidst a big storm, and Jesus meets their fear by walking toward them on water, telling them the same thing God told Abraham when Abraham was freaking out about not having a child yet. Do not be afraid. Jesus heals a man born blind in order to expose the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. Jesus even raises his friend Lazarus from death. Provisions from nothingness, peace amidst fear, sight to the blind, power and persistence are what Jesus offers. Now, Mary Magdalene could have seen or at least heard about all of these acts of power and persistence, God's brand had left the storybooks and entered her world. She saw Jesus at work on brand until the unimaginable happened. Jesus gets arrested. Jesus gets sentenced to death. And then they actually put him on a cross John, the gospel writer, tells us by name that Mary Magdalene was there at the foot of that cross where she saw Jesus die. The never-failing power and persistence of God fails right in front of her very eyes. And that's where our text for today begins. A few weeks ago, I got to learn from one of our church's best scholars of John's gospel, Caroline Lewis. She talked about this moment for Mary Magdalene, and she said this was a trauma. A trauma is when something happens, and after that, you can't believe what you believed before. Life itself now means something radically different because there is no longer any access to life as it was before. You might hear somebody say, Oh, things back to normal after time has passed since the traumatic event, but a traumatized person knows there is no going back. Trauma requires a recalibration of identity, a reformation of what we know and how we are. Jesus, crucified and dead, after that, Mary Magdalene can't believe what she believed before. God's power, God's persistence. After the death of Jesus, it's hard to imagine how confusing that moment had to be. But it turns out the trauma Mary Magdalene had just experienced was only half done. It was still true that Mary and so many more weren't going to be able to believe what they believed before, but instead of recalibrating her life in a world where God's power is not enough, instead of reforming what we know and how we are around the truth that Jesus is dead, Mary's new normal is going to have to be grounded in resurrection. The ultimate moment in the history of humanity's relationship with God when we see the fullness of God's power and persistence at work. Mary Magdalene is met by two angels asking, why are you weeping? She turns around and she 
saw Jesus standing there. But in her grief, in her confusion, through teary eyes, she didn't even know it was him. Why are you weeping? He asks her too. And then Jesus calls her name, Mary, and her eyes are made to see lifelessness, hopelessness, nothingness. These are God's playgrounds, of course. Fear, blindness, death. Mary sees the Lord. She no longer simply sees Jesus doing things that are on brand with God. Mary sees the Lord. The power and persistence of God had left the storybooks and entered her world. But in this moment, through the power and persistence of Jesus, God had entered her very own life. What likely began as a life lived where she may have said things like, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, turned into, I have seen the Lord. Have you? Have you seen the Lord? Have you experienced the power and persistence of God, not just in stories, not just in the world beyond you, but in your own life? A time maybe when you were hopeless, you recognized maybe you were out of control. A time maybe when you were lost in some wilderness. A time when you were divided from community or blind to love and mercy for another and you thought you were supposed to judge them or hate them. And then the power and the persistence of God showed up. I'll never forget the birth of our first child. Everything was going along beautifully as it's supposed to go, which I didn't know whether it was or wasn't going as it was supposed to go. I'd never been in that kind of room before. She was born, there were tears of joy, and then a crowd of nurses started to stroll in, and the doctor on call came in, and I could feel their fear, and I can feel my heart race as I remember that moment now. And I didn't understand why this was all happening. And the whole situation was so far beyond my control. And I was already looking at this little creature who would change my life so much and now plays a trumpet today. This little one whom I love so much already, but then in the midst of those feelings was this alertness to danger. Something was very wrong. Carla was having some complications. And in my memory, the room started to sound different. It started to spin, and I can feel the fear. And then I saw the Lord, a nurse. Let's call her Sharon, because that's her name. <laughs> Parked herself right up at Carla's ear where I could hear her too, and she just spoke words of mercy, words of calm, words of wisdom. And she prayed for peace with both of us as things happened. And she was the presence of God in this place, like for real. And I knew it because I saw it. Sharon was just being herself. She did not like strap on some wings and be an angel or something. She was just offering herself. But that's downplaying what it means to offer yourself. Each of us has so many opportunities to offer ourselves to be the presence of the Lord. 
I've heard stories like this from you. You have these stories, I know. Stories of when you've experienced the presence of the Lord in your life. Maybe God showed up to you through a doctor or a nurse, or maybe it was through a friend or a family member who just brought the wisdom, who brought the patience, who brought the encouragement, who brought the healing you needed. Maybe God's persistence showed up through curious coincidences or mysterious circumstances, or maybe it was an obvious hit-you-over-the-head-with-grace moment. Have you seen the Lord? The other thing is, the Lord doesn't just show up to individuals. The Lord shows up to groups, to communities, to families of faith. Think about what our family of faith has been through over these last three years. Easter three years ago was me and I think five other people in this room. Masked, distanced, I got to sit there, Pastor Karen got to sit there. It was more than six feet. And we were wondering. Three short years ago, we were all unavoidably pandemic people. And it wasn't great. Our community was separated, literally physically distanced from each other. And as time went on, our community got divided in other ways too. And so we had to ask questions like, well, how long should we continue to not meet in person? How long should we continue to mask? The fears we encountered at first, which were mostly about getting sick or losing income, turned for church people into, will worshipers ever come back? Will people continue to give? Will church ever be church again? Midway into that moment of being pandemic people, I felt blind. I wanted to see around corners, but you can't, right? Because there's a corner. We were not at all in agreement about how things were being decided. I've always said church is like a, a three-legged stool that stands on service and learning and fellowship. My experience as a pandemic pastor was that at most that stool stood sometimes teetering on as many as one of those legs. It wasn't great, but God is persistent. And although Mary Magdalene got to see the Lord through the power and persistence of Jesus, we get to see the Lord through those who are baptized into the faith of that same Jesus, otherwise known as the church. Last Sunday when I did my typical walk through the church to prep for the various things that are about to happen, I came downstairs through that hallway, and the sound I heard well, it was sounds of a busy kitchen with lots of busy bees. It smelled like bacon. Burned bacon. <laughs> Looked a little like chaos. And it felt like family again. A family of faith. And as the morning went on and we filled every table in that fellowship hall, it dawned on me that we who had become pandemic people, divided, afraid, separated, anxious, unsure of our future, teetering on one leg of a stool at times, we pandemic people had become pancake people. <laughs> First Lutheran on Alaska has embraced 
God's kind of power and persistence. And because I have seen the pancake people, I have seen the Lord. Not just in stories from the Bible or even in some abstract ways out in the world. I have seen the Lord in my life and in our church. I have seen the Lord as we have persisted in efforts to create and then discuss and commit to this welcome statement that I spoke of at the beginning of worship. While some families of faith may try to simply recapture some familiar past and stay entrenched there, our welcome statement clarifies a bold, faithful future that is going to be filled with growth, individual and community growth. We intend to go out of our way to widen our welcome so that our family of faith can receive gifts from people who aren't yet here. We intend to build a community that listens, that learns, that forgives, that does the work 